Good to have you here today. We are over in our study here in a, in a number of, of places. We're actually going to have a, a bunch of scriptures to read to you. And you can look up on the screen. Some of them may not appear up there. I may read some of them really fast. But today we're going to be looking at Don't Be Simple. Son of a pastor named Jonathan, very young little boy, he asked his father one time, he says, Dad, when you go up into the pulpit, every time you go up into the pulpit, you stop, you pause, you close your eyes, and you wait for about a minute. He says, what do you do? And he says, well, son, I ask, I ask God to give me a good sermon for that day. And the little boy says, well, Daddy, how come it doesn't work? <laughs> well, we're hoping it works today. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes out of those little guys' mouth, you will find that they have such some very simple answers, some very simple ways of looking at things. We're looking at today, we told you before this was coming up, and, uh, and we gave you the heads up for it, that Joe McGee, sometime earlier this year, had been teaching on us on the area of family, and he told us about the four different types of people there are in the world. Remember those four different types? There are the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the scornful. The wise, the simple, the wise, the simple, foolish, and the scornful. We're going to be taking a look at those four different types. We're going to focus on a couple of them in particular. Now, we've been looking at wise, what makes us wise, and so we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that, but we will spend some time on it. Uh, and you're just in review, we looked at people in the Word of God who took what was foolish over what was wise because they did not recognize the wisdom in what was wise. And so they chose what was foolish. Absalom, we saw, was, saw was one of these, a few others we saw. And they uh, came to a bad place because they didn't recognize the good over the bad. We saw that some of the reasons for that, we gave you four reasons. We had the kids in with us on that service. And we gave it to them in the form of a superhero. Superhero comes with a cape. And so we gave it to you in that acronym. The four things that, that cause us to go after foolishness more than wisdom. First off, it was the cost. Wisdom usually costs us more than we want to pay. Uh, the appeal. Foolishness generally appeals to our flesh and wisdom to our spirit. And sometimes that pulls us in a little bit more. Pressure. Peer pressure can pull us into doing the wrong thing, going after the foolish way. And third, effort. Generally, the wisdom takes more effort than the foolish way. So the cost, the appeal, pressure, and the effort were things we looked at. We also saw in Proverbs that wisdom calls out from the square and foolishness tries to stay concealed. You can certainly tell one of the ways of foolishness from wisdom is if people are trying to tell you, don't tell this to anybody. <laughs> this is just for you. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, wisdom will call out from the square. It's not embarrassed about what it has. So the four types of people we already gave you, but here it is in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open square. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. There's our four different type of people. We have the wise, we have the simple, the scorners, and the fools. The wise, they know. I put this just a little summary for you in here. Uh, the wise, they know what is right and correct through understanding and are able to anticipate what will come. 
when wisdom, when we have wisdom on a subject, we are able to anticipate where a thing is going. We put it to you this way before. We know the end at the beginning. We know the end at the beginning. That's the wise. The simple sometimes discern what is right and correct, but lack the understanding as to why. Sometimes a simple person can pick up what's right and what's wrong or what's right out of what's wrong, but not always sure why. The foolish are unable to discern right from wrong. The foolish are unable to discern right from wrong, valuable from invaluable, and don't care until harm comes to them. Really, a foolish has no care about what happens until bad stuff happens to them. That's the fool. The scornful despise what is proved to be right, good, and beneficial. They despise it. They despise what is proved. You can, you can take someone who's scornful and you can say, look, here's the proof. And they'll say, I don't care. That's the scornful. So that's the four different ones in there. Here's some uh, words from Proverbs. Some of these we've already gone over. These are some words that will tell us about the wise, the fool, and so forth. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 says, A wise man will hear and increase learning. A wise man will hear and increase learning. A wise person is always growing in what they know. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. If you are a person of understanding, you will go out and get wise counsel. You will not hide from it. You will not pull back from it. You will go out and get wise counsel. If you won't, what are you? <laughs> well, you're not a man of understanding, that's for sure. Uh, Proverbs 3.35 The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Would you rather be a fool or would you rather be wise than that? Proverbs 9.8 Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. You've got to understand this. You are not to correct all people. When a person has fallen into a place of being scornful, if you correct them, it won't be good. Sometimes you just keep your mouth shut. Well, they're not ready to hear that. And you just don't say anything. But I, should, I have to tell them, no, you don't. The Bible tells you right here, do not correct a, scorf, a scoffer. Don't do it. If God's telling you not to correct a scoffer, what does he do? He does not correct a scoffer. Who does God correct? Those whom he loves. Yeah, God is picky about who He corrects. When God corrects us, just say, glory to God, He loves me. <laughs> and I am not a scornful person. Because He won't correct you if you are. There, uh, in Proverbs 12, verse 18, There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. When you, when you are a wise person and you speak, it promotes health to the people who hear it. When you are not... It says that what you say is like a piercing of a sword. Proverbs 14.3, In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Your mouth will preserve you if you operate by wisdom. If you go by foolishness, no. Proverbs 14, verse 15, The simple believes every word. Get that down. That's going to help us out later. The simple believes every word. But the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Proverbs 14, 24, The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is their folly. Proverbs 14, 35, The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Now you're not under a king, so you say this verse doesn't have anything to do with me. No, it's, you can also put here bosses. <laughs> the boss's favor is toward the wise. You want to have favor in your, in your job? Be wise. Don't be a fool. 
The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fools pours forth foolishness. That's in Proverbs 15.2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. In verse 7, same chapter, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. When you are wise, you disperse knowledge, it's saying. Proverbs 16.14, as messengers of death is the king's wrath, but a wise man will appeal it. What it's telling you is this. If you operate in wisdom, you will calm situations down. You will be a problem solver. You will be a peacemaker. If you are anything but wise, you will not be. That includes simple, foolish, and scornful. If you are not wise, you will not be a problem solver. Scoffer said a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. Again, peacemaker. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. How many of you will, 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 will if you feel it, you say it? <laughs> Guess what the Bible calls you? A fool. I didn't call you that. The Bible did. A fool vents all his feelings. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Bible said. But a wise man holds them back. That's what it says about them. Now, we're looking at the simple. A simple basically is a person who is gullible, easily deceived, and they can't see problems coming. This is a fool. This, or this is a, a person who is simple. Um, I was... Um, I broke this down into, into some examples here for us just to, to help us out on, uh, on this. How many of you all like food? I think it's pretty much all of us, right? We all like food. I particularly, ever since I have been young, I have particularly liked... Italian food. I haven't outgrown that. I still like Italian food. If we go out to eat, the number one thing I go out to eat for is Italian food. Number two thing is seafood. Number three is steaks. I'll go in that order. Outside of that, there's really no reason to go out. (laughs) That's really about it. Italian, seafood, and steak. That's about it. Uh, I know the rest of my family has other dishes they like to go out for, and I do go along and suffer with them at at times, but... (laughs) But there really is no other reason to go out for that. But, but anyway, just say that to, to, to bring this up. Uh, yeah, since Italian is the number one thing that I go out for, when I go to a restaurant and I order an Italian thing, the, the thing that we are judging it by is the sauce, right? It's the sauce that's the most important thing. So here, I'm going to break this down to all four people. If we have a wise person who goes up to the sauce and they taste the sauce, this is what a wise person can say. Yeah, boy, I like your balance of the of the spices, and they'll probably name some of the spices. And your garlic is oh, it's just the right amount. It's not too tomato. And they'll, they'll begin to tell you the different things. This is how much you use just a little. Oh, I can even sense a little bit of this in there. And they're beginning to pick out all these different things. Now, here's what the simple will do. They'll taste that. And say it's good. Yeah, it's good. That's what the simple person will do. Uh, well, why is it good? I don't know. It's good. Now, see, I try and be wise in a lot of areas, but I happen to know my weakness. In food, I am simple. There is no wisdom for me in food at all. I am simple. I either, it's good, or it's, it's not. It's, that's it. It's just, it's good. How can, does it need something? I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> Sometimes my wife will have me taste something that says, what does it need? I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't. I don't have that ability. Uh, the wise knows what, he, what, uh, what it's needed and why it's good. Uh, 
full or uh, simple. They don't. They just say it's good. I have no idea why. It's just good. It's good. It's it's not good. It's good. It's not good. That's pretty much it. A full. This is what a fool would say when they taste the sauce. That has to be the worst sauce I ever tasted. That's a fool. We're not thinking about the consequences down the road. We're just, uh, just you know, whatever we feel, we say. That's a fool. <laughs> I feel like I don't like it, so I just say it. And um, that's, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing necessarily to do. But that's a fool. That's how a fool would respond. Here's how the scornful will do it. Well, if you, if you made it, there's no way it can be good. That's a scorner. That's a person who's scornful. If you made it, it can't be good. They haven't even tasted it yet. Or they might come up to it and they might taste it and say, oh, that's not sauce. I, much, I make a much better one. That's a scornful person. So that gives you some examples, just an area of food, a wise, simple, foolish, and, and, and simple. We told you before there are three different types of wisdom. There is godly wisdom, there is devilish wisdom, and there is man wisdom. Godly wisdom, wisdom is infallible. Devilish wisdom, we saw that with Ahithophel. When Ahithophel gave Absalom that counsel to go into his father's concubines, that was devilish wisdom. It accomplished the purpose, but it's morally wrong. There is a wisdom in this world that will accomplish the purpose, but it's immoral. And it's not for Christians to follow. Third one is man's. Man's man's wisdom is inadequate. What does God say about man's wisdom? It is as foolishness because it's inadequate. You know, it's kind of like when those little kids, you know, you have a little little two-year-old comes home from wherever they were at and they drew something and they show it to you. And what do you say? Oh, that's so good. Oh, we need to just hang that right over here on the refrigerator. But what is it? It, It's not going to be framed. It's not going to be put in any kind of museum. It's, a two-year-old's drawing. But it means a lot to you. And you, But you, what do you say? Oh, that's so good. Oh, What does God say to us when we come up with something? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, you're growing. You're getting there. All right. We're, we're helping you along. All right. Three types of wisdom. Godly, devilish, and man's. Wisdom, we've said this to you before, but wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Wisdom takes knowledge, has the understanding, and correctly applies it. Now, I had some help with, with all this. My, uh, my son took up a project for me and in this project we have here wisdom Rashawn was kind enough to to uh, put all the designs on this now wisdom we will all want to have wisdom and wisdom contains some things you cannot have wisdom without wisdom also containing something wisdom will always 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 contain some things anybody know what's inside this box <laughs> they come along with it. Yeah, absolutely. I should have put some, some smaller boxes in there and put that. But here's the next thing. Wisdom always contains understanding. Without understanding, you do not have wisdom. Wisdom always contains understanding. In order to have understanding, understanding also contains something. What's that? Discernment. Discernment is contained... In understanding. And understanding is contained in wisdom. These are imperative. You do not have wisdom without understanding and without discernment. So all these three things here, all these three boxes, are part of what we have. We'll keep them up there so we can see them. Discernment, understanding, and wisdom. 
These are all come together. When you have wisdom, you also have discernment. You have understanding. Now, understanding, wisdom, we said, contains understanding. Understanding contains discernment. Discernment is distinguishing what has value. That's what discernment basically is. It is distinguishing what has value. How many have ever watched those shows, Hoarders? I can't stand watching them. I can't stand the commercial. Drive me absolutely crazy. But you, I've, I, I saw enough of one of them to, to see, you know, the house was almost falling, falling down because of all the stuff that was in it. And you couldn't walk in there, and the house was creaking and stuff like that. And I, I think one of the shows we watched was a rescue show, and they were rescuing someone who was a hoarder from a house because it collapsed from all the stuff that they had, had put in there. And that can, that can happen, just hoarding. Why do they hoard stuff? Because they can't discern what has value and what doesn't. And they begin to store things that have no value. Because they can't discern what is good and what is bad. And so they begin to get so bad with it, they begin to save their garbage. They begin to save junk stuff. And, and, and mold begins to grow in some of these houses. And, 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 and diseases and things like that. Because they, they can't tell. They can't discern. This has value. This does not. Wisdom has understanding. Understanding has discernment. They are all part and parcel. They come with the whole package. The other three are lacking in these areas. I put a, pulled a definition out for discernment. It is to perceive by the sight of some or other senses or by the intellect to distinguish mentally, recognize as distinct or different, discriminate. You're going to be able to distinguish what has great value and what has no value. That's important in whatever it is you do. How many of you all, I'm sure everyone here, has an area of expertise? Something that you do better than most people. In that area of expertise, you do not become expert at it until you have the ability to discern. I like that commercial they put on TV. I forget the company that does it. But the uh, people come up and they make all the noises that their car is doing. You know, it's very creative and the people are making all these kind of noises and the person listens to the noise that they're making. Oh, that's your alternator. Oh, that's your trans. Oh, that. And they know what it is just by listening to the noise. Why? They have discernment. I could go out to a car and listen to the noise that it makes and say, it don't sound right. <laughs> I don't think it should be doing that. That's a simple person right there. I'm simple in the area of cars. If it makes a noise, I take it to someone who has understanding and discernment. And it's not me. I pay people to, to do that. I just, I, they don't have that much interest in me. But yeah, yeah, we can understand that. Discernment. I can understand. That's a, that's a noise we can, we know what that's doing. I have the discerning ability to tell this is the good noise from a bad noise. We have a baby dedication later on here today. Now, how many of y'all know raising the babies, when the babies make certain noises, you distinguish between a bad cry and a good cry or an okay cry. Oh, that's nothing. Oh, that's nothing. Yes. Or, or sometimes, you know, as they get older and they fall, you hear the fall. But, you know, the first baby, you may run out there and, and find out what's going on. But after the first one, you know, you're kind of waiting. Hold on. No, we're okay. <laughs> right? We're discerning whether we need to take action on this or not. 
And uh, <laughs> based upon the noise, if you hear no noise, that may signal there might be a problem. If you hear some noise, oh, then we're okay. <laughs> it's, it, but you, you, you base that on times that you've, you've been through this before. There's a discerning that comes along. We have to first discern what has great value, what has little value. The problem that many people have in their spiritual walk is they have not discerned what verses in the Bible have great value to their life. And so too many Christians are majoring on the minors. And they're not majoring on the majors. They'll find one discreet, one little verse somewhere and they'll pull a meaning out of it and base their entire life off of it. That's not right. We've told you over and over again. If your life is to be governed by it, it is in the word often. It is in the word clearly. And someone did it. We govern our, our, our lives by those three things. If it's in the word, I'm supposed to govern my life by it. It is clearly taught. It is often taught. And it is demonstrated. Too many people are coming out with stuff that's not demonstrated in the Word of God. And they're, God, they're, they're taking their whole life around it with that. They have not developed a discernment to determine what's valuable and what's not. But wisdom will have this. Wisdom will contains understanding. Understanding contains discernment. When you have those things, you're able to do things and to, and to go along. There are some... Um, uh, more stories I have for simple things from some children. There was a father. His name was John. He was walking along the pavement in front of his church and he heard the uh, prayer. That, uh, uh, he heard the uh, intoning of a prayer that nearly made his collar wilt, he said. So apparently his five-year-old son, Rory, that's a good name, and his playmates had found a dead robin. So they were feeling that they needed a proper burial for this thing. So they were going in there and they, they had all gotten together and they dug a hole in the ground. And they were praying like they had heard people prayed before. And so this is what Rory, the minister's son, said. He said, Glory be unto the Father and unto the Son and into the hole he goes. <laughs> now, that's a simple understanding. We didn't quite get the meaning of what was being said. And we just kind of repeated it. Because sometimes if we don't get the understanding of a thing, we just repeat it in a way that makes no sense. <laughs> Into the hole he goes. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So here Jesus is teaching them a, a principle. He's giving them a warning. If Jesus is giving a warning, is it important? We ought to get a hold of it. 
But they heard it with a simple, as a simple person. They didn't have understanding. They, de- they determined, they, de- they were determining, that, all right, there's some importance here to this thing. But because of a lack of understanding, which a simple person has, they don't have the correct understanding of the matter. They just, yeah, it's good, it's not good. They understood this is probably a good thing. We ought to get a hold of this. But, uh, well, we didn't take bread. And Jesus says to them, how is it that you get that? How do you get that meaning when I'm telling you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? How did you get this meaning out of it? Were you not there when we fed 5,000 people? Were you not there when we fed 4,000 people? And you think I'm concerned about bringing bread? Really? Huh? And then say, oh, oh, now we get it. All right, you're talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees. And the Sadducees. But you see, they came away with a simple understanding. Is Jesus pleased with that? No. no. Nor is he pleased with us when we come away with simple understandings. It's not a step up from being foolish or scornful. You're not getting what you need to grow. So what was lacking brought them into a simple conclusion. But once they had the correct understanding, they came to a correct conclusion. Too often Christians have a simple understanding of the word and have come to wrong conclusions based on it. The problem is they go out and they spout these things off. They get other people into thinking these things. Now, how many have ever heard that there are no bad questions? There are no stupid questions. There are no bad questions. I don't know who said that, but they were very wrong. How many of you have ever been asked a stupid question? Yeah. I mean, a question you just, what? (laughs) Yeah. Did you just ask me that? Really? There are stupid questions. There are bad questions. They do exist. I put this in your outline. Questions of the simple invite answers of no help, no benefit, or no value. Questions of the simple invite answers of no help, no benefit, or no value. When a person who is simple asks a question, the answer will not help them. And we're going to give you a Bible verse on this. We're going to give you a whole story on this. You're going to see this. Uh, in fact, let's go, let's go on over there. John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? That's the question, right? They're trying to grow in their understanding, supposedly, but it's a simple question. It's a bad question. It's a question that's not going to help them. How many times, though, have Christians asked when bad things happen in their life or something bad happens to someone they love, why did God let this happen? That's a bad question. You ask a bad question, you are opening yourself up to a bad answer. And an answer is going to take you downhill, not uphill. It's not going to help you grow. It's going, to, it's going to drag you down. You don't need it. There's no discernment in that question. There's no understanding in that question. It's not going to help you. Who sinned? Jesus answered him, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, we've uh, back in, in, in our days in Rama, you guys may remember, remember this, Brother Doug Jones. I told you he taught us on this. And uh, I never heard this until he taught it. I think it was in Christ the Healer class, but uh, I did know this from my Greek class. In the Greek, in your Bible, every single punctuation is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. In fact, none of it is. 
because they took it all out. They had a shortage of paper. And so what they did was they crammed all the letters together and uh, dropped all the punctuation out to try and get as much on a page as they could because they didn't have a whole lot of pages. And so what translators do is the punctuation you see in your Bible is inserted by the translators. Every one is inserted by the translators because it was not in the original copies. So what he did was he repunctuated this for us. He said, what's the question? Who sinned, this man or his parents? So he punctuates it this way. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. Didn't he answer the question? He did. That's the answer to the question. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, comma, I must work the works of him, work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Changes the whole meeting, doesn't it? One comma, one period. Switch them around. It changes the whole meaning of the thing. God does not create sick people so that he can do miracles. It's not a thing that he does. He says, neither this man nor his parents sin, period. But that the works of God should be, made, should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So the question was off. If Jesus would have answered it the way they asked, it wouldn't have helped them. He answered it this way. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva and he anointed the eyes of the man with the, with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. That's good. Well, sometimes we ask just uh, as, as crazy of a question. Why does God permit? Why does God allow? Why did God take? Why did God do? But it's not a question born of understanding. They're generally questions born of bewilderment. I don't know. I've got no discerning. I've got no understanding. But I ask the question. You do that, you are setting yourselves up. Hold yourself back. Don't ask the question just yet. Get some understanding on it. Father God, I think I need some wisdom in this matter. What does wisdom come with? Beside all the good things, it also comes with understanding and discernment. When I ask God for wisdom, it comes with understanding and it comes with discernment. So when I get wisdom on the subject, then I can ask him a better question, can I? Put this in your outline. At least I think I put it in yours. Sometimes a question can be in search of understanding, but the answer given is a simple one. Sometimes a question can be in search of understanding, but the answer given is a simple one. Have you ever been asked a question and you really can't come up with the answer? And so you give an overly simplified one? Sometimes that's not good. Sometimes we need to hold back on that thing. I heard uh, some ministers, some people, some Christians that are out there. You know, the, the parents lost a young child. And they come to him and say, why did this happen? And some of these ministers have gone out there. And you've heard the, the words. You've heard the thing. Well, God just needed them more than you did. That's a simple answer based on the fact that they have no understanding of the topic. That's, that's wrong. You, you can't be doing that. Well, God needed another angel up in heaven. Well, that's an answer based on ignorance because first off, people don't become angels. And God's got plenty of people up there. <laughs> and so we're, we're asking, we're answering questions that people are asking because they're bewildered. They, they don't know. 
And we're giving them overly simplified answers. And that leads them down the wrong road. road. Would you serve a God who takes your kid because he wants some more than you do? Why would you do that? That's, uh, what kind of God do we serve? What kind of a picture are we giving of our God? No, who does the Bible say comes to kill, steal, and destroy? Satan. Satan. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he comes to do. Why do we have answers that aren't based on that then? That's what we ought to be, be doing. If you can't answer a question from understanding, keep your mouth shut. Simply say, I don't know. I'm going to go pray about that. I'm going to go study the Word about that. I'm going to go figure that out. I don't know. Just say, I don't know. You don't know a question? I don't know. That's better than giving a bad answer. Brother Hagin used to always go around and tell us this. He says, uh, uh, he talks about theories. He said, a theory, and I love this definition of a theory. A theory is a supposition based on ignorance of the subject under discussion. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's so much in that. A theory is, it's based on ignorance. I don't know, so therefore I'm theorizing. And then people base stuff off of a theory. Well, you're basically basing something off of ignorance. You're basing something off of an ignorant person. If it was known, it wouldn't be a theory. All right, here's some more simple answers from kids. Take a look at this one. Maria was struggling to get the tomato ketchup out of the bottle. And as she was trying, uh, the phone rang and her four-year-old daughter answered. Mia answered saying, Sorry, Mommy can't come to the phone at the moment because she's hitting the bottle. <laughs> yes. It's a little bit too simple of an answer, isn't it? Jenny was watching her daddy get dressed in his dinner jacket. It was a tuxedo before the party. Uh, you shouldn't wear that, Daddy. Uh, why, why shouldn't I? She said, well, you know, it always gives you a headache in the morning. Chris was driving his four-year-old Betsy to the beach one summer when a woman in a cabriolet in front stood up and waved. She was absolutely naked. And as Chris was recovering from the shock, he heard his, he heard Betsy shout, Look, Daddy, that woman isn't wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Little too simple. Paul was, wor- while working for Meals on Wheels, an organization that delivers lunches and, and to the elderly, Paul used to take his four-year-old daughter, Lois, with him on his afternoon rounds, and Lois was unfailingly intrigued by the various appliances of the old age. Particularly, the walking sticks, triangular walkers and wheelchairs. One day, Paul found Lewis uh, staring at a pair of false teeth soaking in a glass. As he prepared himself for the inevitable barrage of questions, Lois merely turned and whispered, the tooth fairy is never going to believe this. See, sometimes we can just come up with overly simple answers. But, but we, we sometimes as Christians do the same thing. We just oversimplify the, the, the whole situation. And we give an answer that really doesn't answer the thing and doesn't really take into consideration all the stuff. That's a simple person, though. We, we have a little bit of discernment. I can discern sometimes the right and the wrong, but I really don't have any understanding on the thing, and I try and give an answer out of it. And we get ourselves into trouble. If you don't have understanding on the matter, hush. It sounds cute when it comes from kids, but it can be damaging when it comes from Christians. You need to just keep your mouth shut.
Because people are getting an idea about who God is, what God does. And it's not the picture the Bible does. In John chapter 8, verse 1, we're going to go over to the scornful now. We're going to leave the foolish off because the foolish will take a little bit of time. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded, it, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what, should you, what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground on his finger, as though he did not hear. Have you ever had a time where people are saying things to you and you are pretending not to hear? Yeah, don't get condemned about that. Jesus did it. <laughs> It's in the Bible. It's right there. So he says, he has, he says, he wrote in the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. That tells me the what? He did hear. But I'm acting like I'm not hearing. So when they continued asking him, Jesus, what are you going to do? You're going to stone her or you're not going to stone her? So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote in the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, there's a few things that are missing in this story. We've met this, brought this up before. And I was thinking of trying to get that, uh, that song. I don't know what the song is. I don't know who sings the song, but I've heard the chorus enough times. It takes two. <laughs> and I was going to have that playing in the background here while we did this, but how many people, how many people are brought before Jesus? One. One. How many people does it take to commit adultery? Two. So what happened? They left somebody behind. They went in the room, caught her in the act, and only bring her out. That doesn't make sense. I'm not quite sure about that. They, they, uh, either the guy was in on it. We, we I'm not sure what was, was happening with this, but they were ready, and they took her out and took her in the very act. And you can kind of put the uh, picture together of it from there. So he's, uh, he is not there. And they basically present him with two questions. Now, teach your kids these things when they're going through middle school and high school and stuff like that because they're going to be presented with situational ethics. And in situational ethics, most times they give you two answers. All right, if you're starving, is it okay to steal to feed your family or should you let your family starve? Hmm. They think about it. I don't want my family to starve, so I guess it's okay to steal. They're only given two choices. They gave Jesus two choices here. Should we stone her or should we not stone her? Two choices. Which one are you going to take? Jesus doesn't take either of those. See, the problem with situational ethics is they limit your choices. It's kind of like in the, uh, the children of Israel. If you were one of the children of Israel in the wilderness, would you, A, starve in the wilderness or B, Go back to Egypt. Hmm. Starve in the wilderness. Or B, go back to Egypt. I guess I would take B. I would go back to Egypt. And then, but what did God say? 
And <laughs> no, we rain down food from heaven. That cho- I, I didn't see that choice coming. We we can quite see that one. What happened? You're you're the children of Israel, and you've got the army of Egypt coming at you, and the Red Sea on this side. Do you a surrender or b fight? Because really, I mean, what else can you do? You're either going to surrender or you're going to fight. They're coming to get you. So are you going to surrender or are you going to fight? God says, eh. we split the river open. We walk them on through. <laughs> See, the problem with situational ethics is we don't take into consideration the power of God. And in any situation that we're in, God can come through. He can give you wisdom on the thing. He can help you out of the thing. There's all kinds of stuff that can can happen. I mean, Daniel, we looked at his story a little while ago. Daniel, you're in with the wise men. Do you, A, die with the rest of them, or B, run away? <laughs> and I tell the king I'm going to go to God and get the dream and the, and the interpretation. <laughs> and, a, and another choice comes in. God has other choices for you. There are very often that Satan, the enemy, wants to pressure you into situations where you feel like you only have two choices, maybe even three choices, just a few choices. I can only go this way or this way. But God says, hold on. I'm a God of unlimited possibilities. I brought bread from heaven. I have split the Red Sea open. I have delivered people from massive armies who'd never even lifted a sword. I have taken people who were eating donkey's heads to the next day having a surplus of food. This is... This is not a problem. The disciples had 5,000 men in the wilderness. Do we, A, send them home hungry, or B, try and come up with enough food for them? There's no food around, so that's A, let's send them home. And God says, eh, you feed them. (laughs) No, that's not one of the choices. We, We don't have any food. What do you have, he says. How many times does God take the, the two choices that people present them with and say, hold on, I got another one over here. I got another one. Well, that's our, that's our God. That's what he does. So here they bring this, this question. Now, here's another bad question. This is not a good question. There are bad questions. They bring this question to Jesus not for the purpose of growing, not for the purpose of getting more understanding. Their purpose is to catch Jesus in something. That's their only purpose here. So they gave Jesus two choices. Stone her, don't stone her. I mean, it sounds logical. Either you do stone her or you don't stone her. Does seem to be the only two choices that are there. But people have become scornful, feel that their answers are the only viable ones. People who have become scornful feel that their answers are the only viable ones. You can prove this out. How many of you know some scornful people? If you talk to them about the things of God, they just, walls go up, nastiness, claws come out, all sorts of stuff. And if you try and bring the answers to them, what do they do? No, no, no. If you try and show them that the things they believe are, there's no substance to it? No, no, I'm going to hang on to this. No, no, no. They're scornful people. What should you do with scornful people? We covered that in the beginning part here. Proverbs says, scornful people, don't correct them. Let them alone. Just let them alone. Jesus has some scornful people here. They feel that their answers are the only ones. You see, questions of the scornful are intended to tear down or humiliate the target or 
to exalt themselves? That's the questions of scornful people. Tear down, humiliate other people, or exalt themselves? They are not questions that search for understanding. And to the wise, these questions expose the scorner's lack of understanding and discernment. If you're wise, you'll understand. That question has no foundation in discernment and no foundation in understanding. And you walk away from it. You don't need to deal with it. I was just listening to Brother Keith Moore. He was talking about a story when uh, his early days with Brother Hagin going around with, with him and doing different things. And he said, sometimes Brother Hagin, someone would be right in the middle of talking to him and he'd walk away. And, you know, he's, he's early, he was young with him. He's early days with him. He said, I, I didn't want to correct him. <laughs> I don't blame him. I wouldn't have wanted to correct him either. I but I said, yeah, just kind of watch. He just walked right away. And he said, I didn't realize it until he started to teach over Raymond. He was getting involved in a lot of teaching and stuff. And uh, sometimes he did the same thing. People were talking to him. He walked away. And someone who apparently didn't have the same fear corrected them and said, you know, you just walked away from that person. I did? I didn't even hear him. But then there are other times that they walked away, Brother Hagen did, and, and Brother Keith found out he did as well, that people were asking questions. But they're asking questions based on pride. They're asking questions based on who they were and their knowledge and things like that. And Brother Hagen would just walk away from them. And he would say, you, you can't reach them. You can't help them. People who have gotten into a scornful mentality, you cannot help them. Just keep your mouth shut and go on. Because whatever it is that you throw out, they're going to take it and, and throw it out to people as foolishness. When the Word of God says, don't put your, don't put, um, test your pearls before swine, it's basically this. People who cannot discern the value of what you are going to say, keep it to yourself. Just keep it to yourself. They can't discern the value. They're scorners. Well, you put this in the, in the end here. What areas am I simple in? You've got some areas that you're simple. I've got some areas that I'm simple in. Now, some of those areas that I'm simple in are not hurting me at all. They are not affecting me. The fact that I cannot taste uh, pasta uh, sauce and determine what is inside of it does not hurt me at all. The fact that I can't diagnose auto sounds does not hurt me at all. Because I go to people, I have people that I can trust, that I can, I can use for that, and, uh, and they discern the sounds. And so I don't have to take my time to go out there and try and grow in that area and try and develop but what areas am I simple in? Is it affecting me adversely? There are some areas that you have become simple in your understanding of the Word of God, and it is affecting you adversely. You have gotten a simple understanding of something that God has done in your life, and you feel like God has done it to you. You've, you know, a number of things like that. You've got to correct that. That is hurting you. You have a bad view of God, and it comes from a simple understanding. It comes because you are simple on that area. You need to get understanding on it. The Word of God says, and all you're getting, get wisdom and get understanding. You need to get those things. They need to be in your life. You need to pursue them. We have uh, all kinds of different experts uh, uh, around here in the church. And uh, when we have a need for those particular areas, I get those folks that are expert in those areas. Here, you, you do this one. I don't need to learn it. I don't need to figure out how to do it. You already know how to do it. Go ahead and do it. That's, that's the way to go. We were looking at it on Wednesday night. Philip had certain areas of expertise that he had. And when Peter and John came along to take care of those areas where he was lacking in, he's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go, do, do. You go ahead and do that. Is it affecting me adversely? 
If it is, what can I do or how can I change it? What can you do to take care of that simple understanding that you have? Because you need to grow out of it. I'm going to put this in, a, in another way too. In the same way with the simple, what areas have I become scornful in? What areas that if people bring me knowledge on a thing, I stand up like a wall? Nope. Nope. Not going to take it. Mm-mm. You shouldn't be doing that. What areas am I scornful in? Is it affecting me adversely? Generally, if you're scornful in any area, it's going to affect you adversely. You can be simple in some areas and it'll hurt you. But if you're scornful in some areas, it is going to hurt you. You need to, to get rid of that. If so, what can I do or how can I change it? You need to get yourself a roadmap. How can I change this? What can I do to, to go on? Get some brothers, sisters in, in Christ around you. Hey, can you help me with this? I think I've got an overly simple th- part on this. Help me understand this better. Help me understand what the Word has to say. We're going to be looking more at the simple, the foolish, and the scornful because we need to understand where am I in this. I need to be in the area of wisdom. I need to be area of the wise in all these things. This is where I need to be. I need to have the discernment and the understanding that comes with wisdom. They need to be operating in my life because when it is, all the... The things that go on. How many of you ever watched some of those technical shows? You know, either the CSIs or that. Remember that math show that was on TV? Uh, what was it called? Numbers. Uh, just wanted to have these technical ex- experts that are on there. I was fascinated watching Numbers because you'd have three or four mathematicians all in a, involved in a conversation, and they completed each other's thoughts. They'd be talking about, oh, yeah, and if you use this, oh, I didn't think about using that theory because if you use that theory, you get over here, and you're thinking, what in the world? <laughs> but they have an understanding of the matter and they can speak to each other on a whole nother level because they can grasp these concepts. If we grow in our area of wisdom, God can speak to us on levels he couldn't before. He can speak to us like we're at a round table with a bunch of mathematicians talking about these different theories and jump ahead to things. You know, those guys who walk in and they look at the chalkboard and it's got equations all over. How many of it just looks like gibberish? <laughs> I mean, for me, it just looks like you just scratched a bunch of things up there on the board. I don't see anything. And they study it for about 30 seconds. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Really? <laughs> you can see where they're going? Oh, but right over here in this one. How did you figure that out? Just the, the right... But you see, God can speak to us like this because we have grown in our understanding. And he can say, Steve, remember? Oh, yeah, I remember how they did that. And remember this? Oh, yeah, I remember how. And he can take me along in an area and move me into an area of wisdom and understanding I didn't have before. Simply because I've grown in the wisdom and understanding that I have. And I haven't become scornful. I'm not walking in foolishness. I'm not looking for something simple. I'm looking for the wise. And the more I grow in this, the more that he'll, he'll do. We've, we've seen some of the, the great men of the faith, great women of the faith, and some of the things that God has done with them. He is able to speak to them and tell them things that they've, some of them even shares that I can't quite, I can't quite share this yet. I'm hoping that down the road I, I'll be able to. Remember Paul said in the Word of God, I would be able to speak to you like this, but I can't, you're not there yet. I would be able to give you meat, but you're not to the place where I can do that. Why? You, you can't understand the concepts. 
You can't get there. I need your understanding to grow. If we grow in our understanding, if we excel in what it is that we're doing, God can take us on even further. If we have nothing but a simple understanding of things in the Bible, there isn't anything God can do to bring us along. I've talked with many a Christian who are hanging on to simple concepts of God, simple concepts of the Bible. And because they won't let them go, there is nothing I can do to move them on. Not quite scornful, but they're just hanging on to what is simple. If you hang on to what is simple, you forego what is wise. That itself should scare you. If you hang on to what is simple, you forego what is wise. And without the wisdom, you're not going to grow with God. It will hold you back. We have much more to see just on this concept of it in the, in the Word, and we'll get into this as the, as the next couple of weeks unfold. And this one comes from Paulette. She says, I thank the church for keeping my husband and my family in your prayers during one of the most difficult times. My mother's death was sudden, but I know she's in heaven with my baby sister. Mm. Thank you. Um, Tony says she's thankful uh, to everyone who prayed for her to help find an apartment that will take all of her pets. Um, she had to had to get out, and it's always hard to find one that will take pets. So thank mm-hmm. God she was able to do that. Um, they will be moving in the beginning of January. Ethel says thanks. She's thanking God for all the people who helped make her birthday a great day of celebration. Each one is a gift from God. Um, Phyllis said she got God's wisdom on a situation that she desperately needed help on. She says early in the morning will be a better, <laughs> she will be a better listener. <laughs> um, this is a long one, came from Candy. She was able to um, pray for her male lady. Um, hmm. They become very good friends. She has gallstones or stones in all throughout her body, she says. Um, the doctors can't seem to... Uh, Oh, her potassium level is real low, and the doctors can't seem to get it up. Um, she's a believer, but she doesn't go to church. She's been trying to, oh, she, Candy has been trying to get her to come to church, but it has not happened yet. Her name is Donna, so we need to be praying for Donna. Um, she has another lady at the bank that has a brother with colon cancer, and um, she said that we had been praying for her, and his brother came through the chemotherapy without any side effects. And she has another friend at the supermarket. Um, her name is Kathy. She said we need to pray for her. Her brother went home to be with Jesus. Mm. And I was, you know, I was sitting here um, thumbing through my Bible, and without realizing it, I came across a picture. And it's hard for me to believe that just nine weeks ago we were dealing with this, and now we have that. So I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. That's my page report. Oh, where'd I go? Here they are. Naz um, said recently he's been re- relying on the Holy Spirit more and more to help him find things that are lost on the job, <laughs> paperwork, etc. I know how that goes. Even recently when someone lost money in the plant, someone on the floor um, said, I found everything instantly. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Daryl says, as I was talking with God at the beginning of this week, I asked him, where is the money for Christmas coming from? I opened my mail yesterday, and there was a check waiting for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's it.